The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintiger.com. Our text for this Christ the King Sunday is Daniel chapter 7, verses 2 through 7, and verses 13 and 14. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, Get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard, and on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was the fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All, all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. This is God's Word. Daniel, he didn't know how to handle this. He did not know how to deal with the visions God had given him, and who can blame him, right? These visions of what was going to happen in the future, they just kept turning around in his brain. He didn't know what to do with them, didn't know where to put them, didn't know how to, to, to compartmentalize them. He didn't know how to handle them. And yeah, I mean, this is Daniel. This is the Daniel that we've heard about in our lives. This is the Daniel you maybe heard about in Sunday school when you were a little kid. This is the Daniel of Daniel and the lion's den. The Daniel who had so much faith in his God that he refused to obey the king and he prayed and for praying he was thrown into the lion's den. This is that Daniel. And this is that Daniel that watched God make kittens out of those lions. And, and, and this is the same Daniel who had watched his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown into the fiery furnace only to come out by the hand of God himself. This is that Daniel. 
And this is that Daniel who, who by faith refused to eat the food that the Babylonians were giving him, and so he grew strong because of the different food that he ate. This is the Daniel who was so filled with wisdom and integrity that he rose up the ranks of the empire that had taken over his people and who now sits as an elder statesman, probably like 60 years old at this point. He sits as an elder statesman at the court of Nebuchadnezzar. This is that Daniel. This is that Daniel who is now disturbed in his mind. You know, it affects him. He, he write about it. He wrote about it. This is verse 15. He self-reports his experience here. He says, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. Even the experienced, brilliant statesman, even this faith-filled, spiritually mature man of God, even Daniel was troubled. And, you know, he doesn't, he's not shy about sharing where he was at emotionally and spiritually with all of this. He actually is, is pretty open about it. I read that verse. It's, it's like he's telling us, you know, this vision that I have of the future, it's hard to live life like that. It's hard to live life knowing what's going to happen and knowing that it's going to be terrible, knowing that people, your people, are going to die. And as the chapter progresses, it doesn't get better for Daniel. You know, if you open your Bible to chapter 7 and chapter 8, you'll read other visions from Daniel. And, and you'll see at the end of chapter 7, Daniel self-reports again, and he reports that these visions and the stress that they're putting him on, they're physiologically changing him. He, he tells us that his face is turning gray and, and he has to tap out. He says, I, he says, this is the end of the matter. This is verse 28. We didn't read this quite yet. This is the end of the chapter. Daniel says, this is the end of the matter. I kept the words to myself. In other words, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to shut down Daniel out, right? Do you know when these visions show up in the book of Daniel? I already told you chapter 7, but the, the question that I'm asking is, do you know the context of where this falls in the book of Daniel? Do you know what comes right before this? What comes immediately before these visions in chapter 6 is the account of Daniel in the lion's den. In fact, the, the verses that immediately precede Daniel's vision is, is this one. This is chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. It says, He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And, and after you read that, you're thinking, yes! Go, God, tell me more. Tell me more about how regimes change and how kingdoms rise and fall and how everything will still be okay for the people of faith. Tell me more about that, God. But then right after that glorious finish to that chapter, that account, what you get is beasts. You get beasts that rise up and terrorize. And they're beasts for a reason. 
In his vision, Daniel looks and he sees one beast rise up. It looks like a lion. Then another beast rises up and it looks like a bear. And the next one rises up and it's kind of like a leopard. And then there's a fourth one that rises up. And Daniel is so terrified and so overwhelmed that it seems like he can't even put an animal description on it, neither with temperament or with or with physical description. He can't describe it. All he can say is that it was terrifying and very powerful. Look at these beasts. And that fourth beast is, is so venomous, so powerful, so evil that it, it, it just can't compare with anything that we can put a name to. Now, I, I suppose that I could take uh, this sermon in, in this direction. I could get out my history books um, and I could talk to you about about how this played out as the perfect prophecy of ancient world history. Because it did. This was an incredibly accurate prophecy. I could talk to you about how that first beast that, that rose up was, was Babylon. And how Babylon came along and, and took over everything and was the, was the reigning world power and they reigned with terror. And then I could talk to you about how Persia rose up and destroyed Babylon and how Persia was the reigning world power and reigned by terror. And then I could talk to you about how Alexander the Great came in and was this, this, this military mastermind and that's how he conquered and extended that kingdom. And then I could talk to you about how that fourth beast is like the Roman Empire who came in and took over Alexander's empire and extended it even further. I could tell you about all of the dry historical academic facts that, that, that we are learning through Daniel's vision. I could talk to you about that, but that would be missing the point. See, the Spirit is not out after dry academic fact for us ever. <laughs> And his purpose for giving Daniel this vision and for Daniel to give us this vision is not so that we can understand the twists and turns of world history. What the Spirit wants us to know and the reason why the Spirit gave Daniel this vision is so that we could have a very real and a very personal understanding of the fact that until Jesus comes back, world history is going to happen like this. It's going to happen around us and to us, and it's going to leave people and Christians in its wake. Nations are just, they're just going to, they're going to invade other nations until Jesus comes back. Terrorist groups are going to rise up and terrorize people until Jesus comes back. Livelihoods and, live, and lives are going to be disrupted and taken away until Jesus comes back. And it's that reality that, that this vision wakes us up to. And it's that reality that makes our heads spin and our stomachs turn into knots, just like Daniel's. And our heads spin and our stomachs do go into knots about this, right? We know, just like Daniel did, being in the court of the king, but we know that world history doesn't just happen around us, it happens to us. You know, the war in Ukraine, even though the war is not being fought on our continent even, we still feel its effects very clearly. There's a reason for that. 
There's a reason why, even though that war isn't happening to us, it still is appearing on our news feeds and on our TV screens and on our radio stations. There's a good reason for that. There's also a reason why, even here in Tigard, one of the best places in the country to raise a family, there's a reason why, in our leadership meetings, people are standing up and talking about the danger of terrorist attacks here. And there's a reason why, why we're talking about how we need to have a better terror response protocol in Tigard. There's a reason for that. It's because we know that world history is just going to happen like that until Jesus comes back. And we're afraid. We're afraid that if we're not prepared in the right ways, then these beasts, these nations, these authoritative evil powers are just going to be able to take control of us and rule us and, and have their way. And we're afraid. We're, we're afraid that, that if we don't elect the right presidents, then, then, then things are, are going to be thrown into chaos. And, and we're afraid that if we don't have the right policy response systems, then we're going to be uh, unprepared for anything. And, and we're, we're, we're afraid that if we don't have the right military strategies employed and practiced, that, that we are going to be at the mercy of anything that comes after us. And we're afraid. And for good reason. That's why, I want you to make this connection, that's why immediately after God finished giving Daniel the vision about the beast, you know what he gave Daniel? You know what he gives us? He gave a vision of a promise. It's, it's a prophetic promise and it's not just a promise it's the prophetic promise and it's a promise that is so great and so remarkable and so earth-shattering that it's this promise in particular that forms the backbone of much of what the new testament has to say about god's ruling activity among us you know what the promise is It's going to be a promise of a figure who is not only going to come down and put these beastly powers into check, but he's going to defang them and destroy them completely. And this figure, he has a description. You know what the description is? Daniel gives him a description. It's, it's in verse 13. The description is that he's going to be like a son of man. Now, what does that mean? Like a son of man is an utterly un unimpressive description. I am like a son of man. That's who I am. We all are like that. So how do we know that, that, this, that this is going to be an authoritative and powerful individual? Well, we, we find out by looking at what he's riding. What's he riding? Daniel tells us. It's amazing. Daniel tells us that, that this figure, like a son of man, is going to be coming with the clouds of heaven. With the clouds of heaven. Do you know what that means? I know you do. It means that this figure, like a son of man, can only be Jesus, the king. And then, and then he keeps going. As if you, you needed anything more to, to prove that 
that this figure that Daniel describes is the king, Daniel goes on and he describes with even more force, with even more force and even more detail about who this king is going to be. And there's a reason for this. I'm going to get into this. Just listen to this description of this figure who is coming like a son of man with the clouds of heaven. He goes on in verse 14. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. You see how there's massive teaching overkill. Daniel's not just saying, this is uh, someone that's like a son of man. He's going to come with the clouds. And by the way, he is a king. He, He does way more than that. He says, not only will there be authority, but there will also be authority, power, glory, dominion. It's not, just, it's not just authority. And we're not just talking about one small kingdom. We're talking about a universal kingdom. A kingdom that's, that's never been obtained before. All people, every language, all over, will all worship him. And you know why the Holy Spirit gave us this kind of talk. <laughs> like I said before, he didn't give us this vision. He didn't give us this promise so that we could go home with an academic understanding that there is going to be a figure who's going to look like a son of man, who's going to come down on some puffy white clouds. He gave us this vision with this incredible description so that you could sink this truth deep down into your heart. So that you could base your faith on this. So that you can see how how deeply you can rely on him as your king. I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit gave us this vision so that you can see Christ. And so that you can see to what extent you can trust him as your king. Now, do you want to know how how far you can trust Jesus as your king. I want to tell you how he became king. Jesus sat on trial before the high priest the day before he died. The high priest asked him the question, are you the Christ? Do you know how Jesus responded? Jesus responded by quoting this passage verbatim, except for one one tiny little change. Instead of saying that, that he is like a son of man, you know what he said? He said, I am the son of man. And then later, later on, Jesus, Jesus fought for his kingdom and won his kingdom and he sat down on his throne and he began to rule. Do you know what his throne looked like? It was the most backward, most gruesome, most unexpected throne that you could imagine. It was a cross. It was there that Jesus began to rule. And this is something that you can know about your king. That your king did not obtain his rule by the force of some kind of of atomic arsenal. He obtained his kingdom. He won his kingdom by giving his own life. 
And he began to rule, not because of some some incredibly prestigious military campaign. Jesus began to rule when he gave his divine life in exchange for ours. And Jesus rules now. And you know that he does not rule by pounding us over the head with his authority and pounding us over the head with his fear so that we can obey him. You know how Jesus rules? He rules by working in the world to draw all people to himself. He rules in the world by giving his grace, by giving his forgiveness of sins. That's your king. That's your king who who rules for you, who died for you. This is the king who for now is ruling to draw people to himself and he will continue to do that until he doesn't anymore. Until he fulfills the last little bit of Daniel's prophecy. Until he comes again with the clouds of heaven to rule all people. And to put down every last one of those beastly powers forever. Yes, for now, beastly powers are the reality in a sinful world. But what I'm telling you is that we have a vision from Daniel of a promise. Of a promise of a king who is ruling currently over those powers. Who is ruling through them to draw you to himself. We have a promise today of a king who is so powerful and so loving and so kind that no matter what happens in the world, No matter what terror strikes, no matter what damage is done, you can run to him. We run to the ruler who as firmly as he propels the clouds, he will propel us into his universal and eternal kingdom. So, If you were to ask me where you should live in the world so that you can be safe, I wouldn't be able to help you. And if you were to come to me and ask what you could do to prepare yourself so that you could be protected from physical danger, I wouldn't be able to help you. But what I can do and what I am doing and what I will continue to do until I am out of breath in my body is I will continue to show you Jesus. Your King. 
with whom you can live and with whom you will always be totally safe. Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, the King. Amen.